stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. This week, I actually have a guest with me, 12-year-old Harry Bishop. Harry is a reptile breeder and keeper in Gippsland, and he's currently got 17 reptiles in his collection, including seven snakes. He's also a public speaker and advocate for reptiles. What he really wants to do is change people's view about reptiles and you know, raise awareness so that we haven't got a fear of them and so that we have a lot more respect for um, reptiles and especially snakes. He also wants to be the youngest person to build and own a reptile zoo in Australia. And by the way, he is well on his way. So you're going to love this. Um, Harry does get out a few reptiles and shows us and I've tried to keep it so that if you're listening, you can still understand what he's got. And Harry speaks really well about what he's got in his hands. However, um, if you'd like to see the snakes, you can head on over to uh, YouTube via the link in the show notes and go and have a look at Harry with his reptiles. Anyway, I'll get straight into it because it's a fantastic interview. And uh, here we go. So welcome, Harry. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to be here. Oh, that's great. I've um, been watching you on Instagram and... Um, well, I was going to say I watch the way you handle snakes and, I, and I'm scared of snakes, but that's not actually true. I used to be scared of snakes and then I faced my challenge with a python and um, uh, I'm still not going to say I'm keen to pick them up, but uh, I have a much greater appreciation for them. So you've been doing some fantastic stuff. You're 12, you've got 17 reptiles, you want to be, be the first youngest person to build a reptile zoo. And you do your own, like you do a lot of little uh, talks and shows on on your Instagram. So it's fantastic. So first of all, anyone listening, go and follow. And I'm going to say this again later. Um, back to next to nature with Harry on Instagram, and so you can have a have a look at what he's doing. So thanks for joining me, Harry. I'm really excited to learn a bit more about reptiles. Yep. And you're excited to tell me about them, aren't you? Yeah, I love. <laughs> reptiles and teaching people yeah that's fantastic so i'm interested to learn so you've got 17 uh reptiles at the moment and you've and seven of those are snakes so like you didn't just get these last year because there's that's a that's a lot of reptiles so when did you or, or maybe you did i don't know when did you first start uh showing an interest in reptiles so when i first started actually showing an interest in reptiles that was probably around one or two years old. Wow. Um, yeah. But when I first started owning snakes and properly getting started, I think that was around the 18th of October last year. It was last year. Oh, that's fantastic. So before you had them, what, what, what did you do? You're just sort of reading about them and finding them and touching them and going to other how – you, how were you interacting them before you actually got your own? So – before I got my own, I was going to uh, places like Reptile Encounters and Gumbar and yep. interacting with them. And then I was probably for about a year just doing heaps of research on them and learning everything about them and asking other experts in the profession. So so why reptiles? What, What's that? Why do you really love them so much? So I've kind of always loved animals, but... They're really interesting, they're really cool, and it's something that not a heap of people have. Yeah. And they're just very pretty as well once you get to know them. 
pretty. Now, that's not a word most people would use for reptiles, is it? Pretty. <laughs> most most people scream and jump and yell and, you know, flick and God knows what when they see a reptile. So what do you think is pretty about them? So colours and patterns is really, I think, beautiful with them. And it's also really cool when you start breeding them to see those different colours and mutations come out in them. And, yeah, they do get some very beautiful patterns. Wow. Have you got any that change colours? So there are some that change colours over their lifetime, but not in a few seconds. Yeah. I don't have them personally, but green tree pythons, they do change colour from yellows to reds to greens as they're older. Wow. So quite interesting. Yeah. Um, um, when you're talking about patterns, I know you don't have any tiger snakes. Well, I hope you don't have any tiger snakes. But anyway, um, it's a bit risky. But do, do they change? Like they've got so many different patterns. And I've I used to think all tiger snakes had the same pattern, but they're they're really really different with all their all their patterns and. Yeah. So basically, how they get their different patterns isn't through breeding, but it's through localities. So basically, how they blend into their habitat. So there's. A couple of certain species or localities that are really, really cool of tiger snakes. Uh, I do think that Chapel Islands are probably my favourite. They're also larger depending on where they come from. Uh, mm. But they do get spots and different bands and things like that, so it is pretty interesting. Why are the Chapel Island tiger snakes uh, your favourite? So they typically have a not much nicer yellow and um, kind of wavy bands as well as they are larger and they can typically be more friendly friendly so, most people listening aren't going to believe you <laughs> why are we so scared of um tiger uh, snakes because people people have this attitude that snakes are going to chase you and you know but snakes are more scared of us aren't they yeah that's actually a giant myth is uh chasing so kind of to explain that background is typically they'll take the fastest route to get away from you and because yeah. they are faster than us, it's typically the same route as us because we'll run down the track and get away, so they'll do the same thing. And uh, sometimes they will be uh, hissing and rearing up, but that's only because you're there and you are freaking it out because a lot of the time you step on their log or you accidentally step on them mm. and it's where they freak out from this giant that, a lot of the time will kill them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true because we've had we've had a tiger snake in our hay and it re it retreated very fast when I grabbed the grab the hay unknowing I didn't know there was a snake on top of it and I grabbed the bloody bale <laughs> I don't know how the hell it didn't bite me but it, it it went into the um hay and then we had one in our laundry and it, it got the hell out of there when once the door was open and we've also had a brown snake you know, in the in the garden and um, the dog and two cats had it bailed up. And then when we went out, grabbed the dogs and cats, it, it took off back through the paddock. So you're right, but it's – and actually it wasn't until I had closer interactions with them, you know, that, that I started to realise, hey, they're not – they're actually really nice. I think they're really nice animals, you know, and I, I don't know why we why we harm them. But um, what – so what – um reptile did you start with so when you said back in october last year when you decided well i'm going to start breeding or owning or, or whatever you're doing there um which one did you start with and why so the first proper reptile that i started keeping was simpsons pythons uh now a lot of people don't actually know about them as first pets uh, however, they are part of the Antaresia family, which is the smallest family of pythons in the world. Yeah. So they're good for just starting off with a small snake to manage it. Yeah. And they don't need to eat big food. Um, as well as the fact that the temperament is probably the best. So you can't really get a, a Stimson's python that does freak out unless hatchies of all snakes can freak out because they're so small. Uh but that's one that typically people don't know about because they go to children's pythons and uh, they're not actually named for that reason. They are named because of the person that found them, 
which yeah. is another misunderstanding when you're purchasing your first snake. Otherwise, people can just get the uh, coastals and jungle pythons because they are fairly pretty, but generally they do get sold after a while because they get fairly large. Yeah. Do they bite? Pythons bite? So, yeah, they can bite, and certain species are more prone to it. Um, but most pythons are pretty good once they grow up. Uh, normally all hatchies will freak out. Uh, sometimes they won't strike, but they will uh, get defensive. Yeah. Uh, but there are a few species that, you know, don't do as well with handling. Um, and it's mainly because they are of a much smaller build that they can be easily threatened and freak out. Yeah. I love what you've said there, Harry, that you did your research, you know, and you, you um, asked the experts and that kind of stuff. I think, you know, I'm not for people keeping animals in cages or reptiles if they don't know what they're doing, do you, you know, and there's um, there's a lot of people who do that and the animals die in their care. Be, well, I would, it's not even care, but because they haven't done their research, you know, they just think, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a snake? And they... You know, they kill the poor bloody thing, you know, or neglect it, which I think's awful. So you've said something really key there, and that is, do you do your research before you before you think you're going to be keeping keeping reptiles? So so that's good. And then when you started um, building on it, like how many pythons did you have? And then when did you go to? I'll call them lizards, but you're probably going to correct me. But um, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um. So basically, I had lizards before that, oh, okay. um, but only a couple. Yeah. And then after James turned, I think it was twenty-five, he was meant to move out. Uh, James and my brother, and he didn't. So I was allowed to get snakes from then on. I think it was seven days later I bought my first Simpsons python. So yeah, wow. it fairly small for its age, uh, but it was just kept in a fairly small tank and not fed probably adequate meals. Um, and then it's done very well here. It's still not great with large feeds, but, yeah, it's done pretty well. And then after that it was we bought a, stare, a pair of Simpsons pythons. Yeah. Then we got two Acumonders and three Fieldnecks. Yeah. And then it kind of just kept on going and we got uh, another Simpsons python at an expo. We got two larger carpet pythons, and mm. we uh, the only python that naturally inhabits Victoria. So yeah. they're a very cool species, the Murray Darlings. Yeah, and we've recently started collecting some more geckos. Wow! Oh, let me tell you. I want to ask you stuff about that. Let me tell you a story. I used to go to Hawaii all the time. We'll still do. And one year, I came home and opened my suitcase, and I and a gecko came out. And so the poor little thing had travelled with me all the way from Hawaii. It must have got in my suitcase when I was packing it. And um, I built I, I built it a big enclosure. And then I rang, I rang. Um, what do you call it? Like, I, I can't think what you call them. Um, you know, the quarantine people rang them and said, I've got a gecko. And then they came and I thought they were going to take care of it. And I said, what are you going to do with it? And they said, well, probably kill it because we can't just. And then I was too late then. I couldn't keep it. So um, I felt really bad that I'd actually uh, reported this poor little gecko, but I don't know whether I would have killed it or not. And I don't know whether it would have been carrying diseases or not. But um, Harry, you've got gloves on there. Have you? Are you planning to show me um, something and uh because you look like you're ready to grab a snake or something. Yeah, so these, I'm going to grab a snake out right now, but these oh, are actually for snakes. They are for my frog neck because she's got very sharp claws. So, and also because they do walk through their poo, they can generally give you scars from infection. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? This, yeah, this is the first snake. This is a what? Stimson python. And Simpsons. Almost adult size. Uh, so, guys, if you're listening to this on um, on the podcast, like just listening, you should actually also go to YouTube and you know go about ten minutes in and go and listen and go and have a look at Harry with his Simpson Simpsons Python. 
Sorry, Harry, I interrupted you, but I don't want people to miss the visual of this. All right. So this snake here is an eastern variety uh, or locality, and it's just a normal Simpsons python, so it hasn't got any special morphs to it like some of my others. Yeah. Uh, wow. But was the first snake that I got. Yeah. And, wow. yeah. Wow. All right, what else do you got? A frill neck lizard. Did you say that spikes you? Was Did you say it was a – oh, sorry, you haven't finished telling me about the Simpsons. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say this was actually the first snake that I got. Wow. So we're also coming up on our one-year anniversary, so she's uh, definitely a focal point right now as she was kind of what started the bigger picture in the program. Yeah. Does she have a name? Yeah, so this is Hercules, which we recently found out was a female because uh, <laughs> professional – in the industry, Colin Ray came and sexed it, sexed her for us. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Hercules, the Simpsons Python. The, yep, Simpsons Python, the number, the number one Kickstarter for the journey. Yep. Yep. And is there something else you get? You might as well do it all now. What's that? The um frilly neck. So before we do the frilly neck last, but. Yep. This is another really interesting species, which is fairly good for first lizards. Yeah. So right here we've got a fairly small one because the bigger ones are breeding currently. But this is an monitor. Wow. This is a pygmy species of monitor, and they're very, very fast, so I'm not going to put it down. But these are absolutely awesome lizards. Uh, they do puff up their throat sometimes. And as you can see, they've got the lovely spots and yeah. nice long tongues with the forks in them and that spiny tail, which is their nickname, a spiny tail lizard. So, yeah, they're very cool lizards. So where do people find these in the wild? And I'm not I'm not suggesting that people go out to the wild and pick up lizards and, and bring them home, but, like, because a lot of times you go out into the – into the bush, you know, and you see a, a lizard, you think it's a snake, you know, people trying to harm them or people stomp on them, whatever they do. But, like, like, how do we, what do we do when we see a lizard? Because other than just leave it alone, but should we walk away from it or should we stand still or should we try to send it on its way? What's the best thing to do with a lizard if we see it? So something that a lot of um, people in the reptile hobby do is something called herping where we just go around and take photos of them and uh, if they're friendly, you know, handle them a little bit. Uh, so these guys can be found in the, or WA mainly. They can be found a little bit closer toward the east, but not really. Yeah. Uh, now the best thing to do with basically all the lizards is um, just not really touching them and just, watching them and observing them if you want to. Otherwise, you can just walk away. Try not to run or anything because that will freak them out. Um, but there aren't really too many overly dangerous species of lizards in Australia. Or Yeah, it's only really big ones, but they're very flighty. So a lot of things like the sanguinas, they get fairly big, but they will immediately run away and they're very, very fast. So, so can they hear? Yeah, so they've got little ears. Probably yeah. won't be there, but on the side of their head, they've got little ears. Uh, the snakes don't. They can hear, but not properly. Yeah. Uh, snakes can really just hear vibrations and things like that. Uh, however, these guys do have ears, and, yes, they can hear very, very well. So I'm wondering if people start squealing because people do that, you know, they squeal and scream. Is that going to freak out a lizard if people are just doing that kind of stuff, do you think? Yeah, so it'll freak out most lizards. And you often see if you do see a bit of dragon in the wild, which you can see in Victoria, um, they will typically hiss and open their mouth. They are yeah. probably a wild species that does get fairly freaked out easily. Yeah. Uh, as well as frilled necks, lizards, they can freak out. Um, but their defence of the frilled necks is they sit on a tree and they kind of just go around it where you can't see them. Yeah, yeah. That they just kind of go straight up it. And then the babies are extremely good at camouflaging. Yeah. So they'll just simply sit on the tree. And they're so small that they're very hard to see. Yeah. 
Well, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna say, if you don't know what you're doing, don't touch them. Yeah. Like just because I, I, you know, that annoys me. People poking at poking at nature. Didn't you know? So, if you if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know anything about lizards. You don't know anything about snakes. Admire them, but leave leave them alone. And you know, because you were saying you handle them, but leave that to the people that like you. You know, people who know what they're what they're doing and what the species is. So what have you got now that is a... This is another Stimson's python, and it's yeah. actually got some interesting background because this is a Hetiplos. Yeah. That means that it's got... A, when it breeds with another one of its kind, it'll turn into... It'll have white slash creamy babies. Um, oh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so Hetiplos is a genetic thing that you can't really see until they breed uh, or any het morph. Uh, but yeah, this is I think a eight or nine year old, eight or nine month old Stimson python. So this is very small, although for uh, less than a yearling, it's actually very large. Yeah, most stimmies will be born are uh, like that long thereabouts. So about six inches. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they're very small, and uh, th these guys will actually come from eggs. Most I think. All, yeah, all pythons come from eggs. However, um, a fair few venomous snakes actually give live birth, mm. including death adders, copperheads, and tiger snakes. What yeah. about brown snakes? Uh, I'm pretty sure brown snakes do as well. Yeah. Um, and so do red belly blacks, which are probably one of the friendliest venomous snakes out there. Yeah. And um, in my opinion, they're very, very pretty as well with their lovely red bellies. Yeah, I think that. Do you know what, um, Harry, I was up in the bush out the back of my house at Trafalgar when I lived there and I went up there with the dogs and kids and and we saw a bluebelly black snake. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, my God. What the most beautiful, beautiful blue under their belly and it ra was raised up and ready to strike. It probably wasn't ready to strike, but it, it we... We just ran away. We ended up, I said, everybody run, go the other way, go, go, go. But it was the most beautiful blue I've ever, I've ever seen. It was just stunning. And they're not that, yes, I agree with you. If you're going to, if you're going to step on a snake, make it a black one because it's uh, <laughs> actually don't step on any. But, but what I was going to say to you about the brand, why I asked about brown snakes, I had um, agapanthers at my house at Traf, Trafalgar and I thought, oh, I'm going to dig them up, get rid of them. And I dug it, I sort of started digging them out. And next thing I luckily I had boots on and I stood on what I thought was a a bunch of little baby earthworms. And at, when I looked down, I thought, holy hell, they're not earthworms. It was like a little little bunch. There's about five or six or more of little, tiny baby brown snakes. And oh my God. And I went to grab a container i don't know what i went to grab but anyway when i came back they're all gone so i don't know where they went <laughs> anyway what have you got there what's this next one why are you using a stick why are you not so this one actually lives in a tub in a rack system because it's a hatchy yeah and it freaks out when you slide the tub it freaks out when you want uh slide up slide open the tub yeah it's very loud so that's the typical behavior for this fella but this so is does it bite when it freaks out or what does it do when it freaks out? He was just looking like he might. That's why yeah. you definitely don't want them to bite so that, you know, they yeah. don't have any habits. But he's super calm now. It's basically just he was freaking out in his tub and loud noises and people were above him. But now that he's out and about, he's realised, hey, it's okay, you know, nothing yeah. bad going on, I'm not going to get hurt. That's the only reason they do get aggressive or freak out is because they'll go, oh, my gosh, this giant's going to hurt me. Yeah. And actually they'll realise it's not that bad and that they're definitely not going to get hurt. Yeah. And when they bite, have they got fangs, the pythons, or have they got teeth? So these guys have got teeth. Uh, the only thing that you would actually probably consider as fangs, I'd say, is the American snakes. So yeah. not. Lapids like what we've got here for venomous. Yeah. Uh, however, death adders—they're not actually adders; they are also lapids. Um, 
However, they do have fangs that or teeth that can move. Oh. Uh, back, whereas a yeah. lot of Australian species have fixed fang teeth. Oh. Well, he looks quite happy. Yeah, so he was freaking out before, but he's super good to handle once he's out. He can sometimes. Yeah. Uh, never bitten or anything like that. He can just freak out of all the loud noises over his head. Um, yeah. But this is one of the coolest animals to own in yeah. probably, I would say, the world for me. Wow. I, because these are the only pythons that have ever naturally lived in Victoria. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Why is that? Is it because um, Victoria is too cold for most pythons or...? Yeah, so even these guys will just live in Mildura in those uh, upper areas. Yeah. Uh, so, however, because of bushfires and floods and all those other things, mm. it have now been sort of naturally moved to New South Wales uh, and they don't really inhabit Victoria too much anymore. So mm. it's a bit of a shame, but... Hopefully, once the area recovers, they should come back. Yeah. There will be people that say, oh, good, get all the snakes out of Victoria. We don't need them and that sort of stuff. But we actually do need snakes. How do you how do you think snakes help the ecosystem? So these guys are much larger snakes. So a lot of people are not like this, but they do eat possums. Uh, do they? Yeah, so these guys can eat possums and things like that. It is the maximum fee that they can have, but they can eat those things like that. Um, now, he'll get like two and a half to three metres long like my other big snakes. Wow. So, yeah, he does start off very, very small. He's, I think, almost six months old or something around, something rather like that. Yep. But he's a lovely snake. And, yeah, as I was saying, he's like the holy grail of snakes in Australia especially. Um, and I don't think I've really ever seen these overseas. So it's definitely something that you, yeah, it's an interesting snake and uh, there's a couple places that specialise in them and that's something that I would love to do. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, as I wow. said, he's the only one in Victoria and his name's the Murray-Darling Carpet Python because he lives on the Murray River. Yeah. Wow, he's lovely. I'm noticing that you're moving very slow with the snakes too, and I think that's something that if you're going to be a reptile handler, you need to have a lot of patience and a lot of slow-moving care, you know, not just grabbing at them and that sort of stuff. And and they're not toys. You know, I've seen kids with lizards and they, you know, throwing them around like toys, but they're very – um. And, and that's a snake that you've got, of course, not a lizard. I know that, but um, they they actually are a very um, fragile, fragile animal. Reptiles. That's my opinion. Is that true? Yeah, most of them are. There's one snake that I can just grab out. She's absolutely lovely, but um, this guy in particular, I'm being very, very slow with because he's still a little bit on edge from all the loud noises and uh, the screens and everything. Yeah. But especially you do have to be fairly patient because I've got my adult large snakes and it can take half an hour for me to get them out of the tank and into the tub. Because wow. that's why a lot of the time you can't really have heaps of leaves and everything in there because the leaves will scare them when they're moving and then they'll grab onto all these logs and it'll take longer than it. It'll probably take an hour to get them out. So. Yeah. Like my larger snake's two kilos and basically wow. all. So she's very strong and I believe they have 385 muscles in their body or something like that. So they have heaps of muscles. Yeah. You're just talking about, I, I just want to pull you up then for the listeners, is that because I'm, I'm really big on, I don't want anyone to have reptiles unless they know what they're doing. Um, Harry's got them in tubs there and he keeps mentioning tubs. You keep mentioning tubs, you know, get this one out of a tub, out of the tub. Uh, if anyone listening, please, reptiles are not kept in tubs. Tubs are only for short-term, very, very short-term transport or for safety. They live in tanks, and if you haven't got the proper tanks, don't bloody have them. Do not 
keep reptiles in tubs. There, Harry, I just wanted to say that because I don't want people getting a bloody, go and buy in a $3 tub from the crazy, crazy cheap shop and keeping a snake in it because that's not, that's not how you keep reptiles. So, well, all right, well, let's see. I, I better, I'll, for the people that haven't got visual, we better move ourselves. What's the um last one that you got your gloves on for? So, Philly, Philly. Uh, the last thing I do want to mention is on the enclosures. Uh, that's a very good thing, uh, as well as with snakes, especially larger snakes, because they can freak out fairly easily, especially from predatory uh, things like that. Yeah. If you don't have like a fish tank for one, even if it's like a nine foot fish tank, because when you're coming in over the top, that's exactly what a large bird of prey would do. And yeah. it can, especially with snakes that are. Uh, not as friendly naturally or just that snake individual, mm. uh, they can quite easily freak out. So it's yep. definitely great to have one that opens from the top. And uh, as I was saying before, the snakes are necessary in the environment for, uh, yeah, one, eradicating large groups of possums, but not only that, but the fact that we'd have a lot of extra birds and things like that. If yep. we didn't have the larger snakes and, of course, mice and rats and things like that that can quite easily grow to be a problem in places that are rural. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm still going to say it anyway, Harry, do your bloody research before you get a snake. Do not get reptiles until you've done your research, for God's sake, because it's cruel if you don't know how to take care of them. All right, what's that thing? Oh, what is that? It's a real neck. Yeah. She's a little bit uh, on nerve right now. She hasn't been taken out of the enclosure for a little while. But she's absolutely lovely. She'll When she freaks out, she'll go straight to me and climb up my head. <laughs> is she the one you've got the gloves on for? Yes. So, so you're protecting your hands, but you don't care about your head? Yeah, so I do normally wear a jumper when I've got her because she scratches up my neck as well. Uh, but actually another interesting thing about her is she had three eggs, which is odd because they only have 24, but she was too young to actually breed. So she had to have surgery and her three eggs were removed. Unfortunately, they didn't hatch, um, which is pretty normal for transporting them in the car and them yeah. being surgically removed. Yeah. But she's great now. She's getting bigger and fatter and all that. And, um, yeah, hopefully she'll be able to breed next season. But she's... So... Yeah, go on. Uh, but she's doing really well and she's got that beautiful frill, which I'll try to show you. Oh, I probably can't put my gloves on. Oh, there. Yeah. So that's not... Um... But that's her frill there. And uh, they can get holes in them sometimes. Because, wow. because they come down, come down. Because it's, it's so thin and yeah, it's very thin and fragile. But yeah. as juveniles and even as adults, they can run into other frill necks or other reptiles and actually be bitten on the frill, fighting over things. Because when they frill up, they frill up to make themselves look bigger. Yeah, and they can do that when they're fighting over food or a female, and then they might get bitten on the frill and, you know, that's where the holes occur and then they'll generally get bigger as time goes on because they'll slowly tear. Mm. So so are there are the spikes, when while you're wearing gloves, you said because if they scratch you, you get um, you, the, the cuts can get infected. Like is that, is it, are the spikes on their frills or the spikes on their claws? They've got little spikes on the frills, but they're not sharp at all. They're paper-thin scales. Yeah. But they have got very sharp claws for climbing those trees very quickly. Yeah. And, uh, because they do crawl through their poo, I always see it. They poop and then they run straight through it. They oh, yeah. typically uh, give you a good infection. Yeah. So, and, and and not only that, if you were to see a frill, frill neck lizard in the wild and go to pick it up, you, you're likely to get scratched. You're very likely to get scratched. This is a lot of people say that they're horrified of snakes and they don't want to be bitten by a snake, even a python, even if it's a baby. And I, I always say I'd honestly prefer to be bitten by a snake 
And, you know, if it was a larger monitor, like lace monitors, they're beautiful animals and I love them, but they do have big claws and big teeth, uh, like they can get about that long. Wow. So, yeah, so if you were to get clawed or, or scratched up or bitten by one of them, you know, it's probably like scars and things like that, as well as their biggest weapon for defence is actually their tail. So it's basically... The tail? Yeah, so they'll sit on the tree like this yeah. and come up and if you try to interact with them, uh, they'll typically like whip it around and freak out if they don't run up the tree. And that's when, you know, they've got a very hard tail similar to a whip, so it will also be pretty sore after that, especially <laughs> big adult. <laughs> I've seen the big goannas whoop up a tree. I don't think I'd like to be whacked in the face by something like that. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for showing us all those. That's um, yeah, amazing. Well, I'm not picking up a frilly neck. I, I don't like to pick up anything. I pick up the little drop tails, but only to save them from the cats. And then I go and hide them somewhere else. But I, I don't be... We've had a lot of um blue uh, blue tongues around here too, and I don't pick those up either. So, which is good. Is it expensive, Harry, to keep these uh, reptiles? Yeah, so I've had a chat with a lot of people that aren't typically in the industry, and they do quite often say that the well, that's expensive because the reptiles like for next to seven hundred dollars each. Oh wow! For a pretty good deal because he wanted to get rid of them with the Ackies. Yeah. But they can be very expensive depending on what you're getting. Uh, geckos are typically a little bit cheaper, depending yeah. on morphs and things like that. Uh, and venomous snakes are obviously very cheap, but not at all recommended. The most yeah. expensive part of them is actually the license. Yeah. So what about keeping them once you've bought them? Like the upkeep, is that expensive as well? Yeah, so buying enclosures is also very expensive. Uh, depending on your lighting, that's very expensive. And bearded dragons are honestly one that is massive cost because they need UVB lighting, which is about $100 a bulb. Wow. And uh, vet bills, obviously. But then as well as um, with snakes, unless you're breeding your own food, so rats, rabbits and mice or quail or anything like that, it's very expensive, especially the larger your snake gets. And if you're not buying to a private breeder, like we've got a neighbour that breeds them and that's fine. But if you're buying uh, adult rats through pet stock, they're probably like 20 plus bucks. Wow. Uh, if you're through a reptile store, they're probably 18. And if you're buying through a private breeder, I get them for about $11. So... Yeah, that's fairly cheap. But then, of course, like rabbits is another cheap way to do it because you can breed them really easily without the smell of breeding rats as well. Mm. But but that still costs a lot of money. Have you got a Have you got a full time job, Harry? <laughs> the the typical way to actually do uh, rabbits and things like that fairly cheap is built like DIY. So uh, I have a friend that has heaps of materials and things like that, just waste. So mesh and wood and all that kind of thing. So you can build the rabbit hutches yourself. And, um, yeah, you don't have to. The other thing is with reptiles, I see people go out and they buy a normal light for, you know, $20, whereas you could go online at a reptile store, buy for 10 or go to Bowen's. It's the exact same light, just doesn't have reptile written on it yeah. and it's eight dollars less so things like that are really good as well you never want to be cheaping out on your reptiles but at the same time you don't need to go get all these special things when you can just use uh normal lights as long as it is fit for the job yeah, I was just going to say that it's um, you, you don't just want to go and grab any old globe just because it says have lighting, so you just go grab anything because you could you could actually be having putting a globe in that's not going to keep them warm, but it also could be a, a globe that overcooks them, you know, that then you don't realise that you're cooking them. So, again, I'm going to say it again. Don't, don't do it without your research, for God's sake. Ask the experts. So, um. 
Well, how, what do you, because you go out and you raise awareness, you know, when you're trying to advocate for reptiles and everything, what, what are you hoping that you'll achieve from that? So what, what are you hoping that people will come away with and thinking differently about reptiles? So a lot of the things that I want to do is shows. And when I do that, I really hope that, uh, you know, if people are brave enough to go to them, they do realise, hey, they're not scary, you know, maybe mm. hey, they'll get one, or they can just be happy with them being around them and, you know, not be horrified. You know, some people, they are absolutely horrified and that's absolutely fine. You know, they can be scared, but it would be really nice if I were able to do some shows and things like that and then people realise, hey, they're not that bad, or even just doing those shows to get people that are thinking about buying reptiles uh, more interested in buying a reptile. Because a lot of the time when you go to those shows and you go, oh, wow, it's a really impressive snake, and then you go to the stores, find out facts about it, you go to other places and find out facts about them, and then you go research them, which another thing is there's so much information out there, you do really need to choose one source. Uh, which is typically I'd recommend going to a breeder in your local area. And it's yeah. no use going to a breeder in America, finding out all their information because they've got different weather, they've got different lights and brands and everything like that. So, like, for example, I see all this great stuff at the Dollar Tree where you can buy water dishes and things like that for cheaper, but it's just not here. So... The things like bowls for water dishes or defrosting mice or whatever it may be is very different. So you will go for the substitute, but substitute may not be at all the correct thing. So yeah. the good thing to do when you're wanting to get one is just go with someone. Like even in Queensland, if I live in Victoria, that's probably a bad source as well because they could keep them outside where it's perfectly warm in cans, but then when you come down, you can't keep them outside because it's like six degrees less. So, yeah, yeah it's very tricky and you kind of just have to pick someone close to you and probably talk to the reptile stores and, you know, go there regularly and become good friends with them and learn everything from them and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're saying also about when you do those shows, if, if people are, uh, you said hopefully people will want to keep them. And and I think that the good thing about you doing the shows is that you, you're helping people to keep them responsibly. You know, you, you, you're saying to them, you can't just keep them. If you're going to, if you're going to keep reptiles, you have to do it properly and, and do it well because they, they deserve, you know, to be treated, treated properly. Harry, this has been great. I've got one, one last big question. You want to be the youngest person to build um, a reptile zoo in Australia. Um, how, how are you tracking for that? Like are you on track? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pretty well on track. It's yeah. um, it's a fairly seasonal job until you get into a good flow of it and get all the species so that you can time everything correctly. Um, as well as in the first year or two, it is very tricky to uh, get your snakes onto your breeding schedule. Uh, but once you start breeding and things like that and becoming uh, an influencer as well and uh, known out in the reptile industry, um it gets pretty easy as well as uh, there's someone in the reptile industry who's awesome. He's in South Africa, uh, Dingo Dickelman, and he, I believe, is starting up a reptile zoo. Um, he's awesome and he does some really cool stuff. And yeah. he's also very good at uh, myth busting and really showing you that they're not horrifying, um, yeah. even though he does handle some snakes that freak out pretty well. Um, he also uh, hangs out with animals that you would typically go, they'll kill you, and they don't even really try to bite him or anything like that, as well as um, there's another place that's absolutely awesome. Uh, I would love to go there one day. Uh, it's Nerd, so it's New England, uh, yeah. and they do the most incredible stuff I've ever seen with Cayman crocodiles that those crocodiles will typically 
they're the least friendly reptiles, I'd say. And he's got them so that you can pat their head and they won't even care at all. He's got cobras that you can pat and hold and they're absolutely fine. So he does some really good stuff with um, bonding and threads and uh, no boundaries where you can touch their face and their body and not just their tail or something and then don't freak out. So it's very... Wow, that and that would take a lot of patience. Are you are you wanting this zoo for people to be able to come to come and visit? Like, it, it, do you want it to be a physical space where people can come in and and you know watch reptile shows, or you want to do it mostly online? So, I would love to do uh, physical, and yeah. I'd love to have all different animals that you don't typically see, and um, have it so that you can handle them and get close to them as well as a, a stage so that I can do like speaking gigs with them there. Yeah. Uh, but I would also love to have cameras and all the enclosures, which I'd love to be nice and big um, so that people can watch live streams of some of our coolest animals there. Oh, that sounds great. Where do you want to do this? So, like, oh, yeah. Um, I've looked at a couple of different places, but they'll probably be gone by the time that I'm ready for it. Um, so I'd just like to probably buy somewhere in a bushy kind of area so I can really well tell an example of this is where you would actually see these snakes. So it's a really good way to gauge on this is the place you'd see them, this is a little bit about these animals and things like that. And then, you know, it's not in somewhere that's super competitive and things like that and where they can say this is all the stuff about snakes but they're in the city so you can't really tell too much about it because people go to the city and they can look at pictures of the environment if you show them but it doesn't really gauge properly on what it actually looks like but it would be awesome also to have it in a nice big factory as well. Mm. So so what age, so how, how far away do you think it is before you do it? So, like, probably around eight years, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit less. I'm hoping a little bit less. But hopefully next year after breeding season, I should be getting a shipping container and that out with reptiles. Yeah. And then wow. it'll turn into a wing of the house eventually yeah. uh, when we get out next house. Uh, and then that will turn to a breeding facility and then the reptile zoo will be built. Wow, you've got it all planned out. I was going to ask you, do you have it all stepped out? But it sounds like you do. That That's awesome. And do you, do you go into schools now currently and, and do the shows? No, but I am hoping to do that next year. And yeah, I'm fantastic. Also, yeah, I've also talked to a few schools that, or well, a school that would like to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it would be really cool also to do that at some of the uh, things like the Packenham Show and different shows like that. Yeah. Um, as well as myth-busting because a lot of people, you know, as you said before, chasing and, um, you know, live-born, a lot of people say, oh, they've always got scales, they always lay eggs. And some of them don't have scales, some of them don't lay eggs. So as well as people say they're always going to bite you and give you, like, full dose of venom, Sometimes they'll bite you and not give you any venom. Like, like it's not great to try. Definitely don't try it. But um, you know, I've known a lot of people that will get bitten by a venomous snake, but not have anything in them because snakes don't want to waste their venom. They're very small, limited amount of venom mm. on someone that they know they can't eat. So yeah. they say food, especially when people go, uh, "Baby's venom is more toxic." It's not actually more toxic. They just can't control how much they let out. So mm. adults will give you a little bit of their venom if they're biting you, whereas babies will kind of just give you everything because they don't know how to section out venom and go, that's a little bit, keep the rest. So that's another thing. As well, I hear a lot of people, they do say things like when they have slit pupils, they're venomous. When they have uh, circular pupils, they're not. Um, so... All venomous snakes in Australia actually have circular pupils because they're, yeah. So adders, vipers have slit pupils, but elapids don't. So king cobras, tiger snakes, all those kind of things, uh, and even inland taipans, the most 
deadly snake in the world or most venomous snake in the world has circular pupils. So that's not really true at all. And it's definitely another thing that a lot of people believe and I'd really like to share that that's not true because people will see, um, like, I think my, one of my Simpsons pythons, I think all of them actually um, typically have slit pupils. I mean, sometimes they can dilate them a little bit so they're round, mm-hmm. but typically they're slit, especially when they're in fruit mode. Um, and that's a lot of the time where people say, oh, my gosh, they're super aggressive, but either they're just a hatchy or you're going to feed them. Like I have a snake that as soon as she smells a rat, she'll go straight into uh, kind of getting to the point where she might strike you, but only because she's like, you've got a rat. Some- yeah. So I think it's really important to say like Stimson's python is like smallest python in the world, even have slip pupils. So it's a mm. really well, this is the least dangerous snake you could probably ever find or the least aggressive and venomous remotely. And this is the most venomous and it's got circular pupils. So it's a really comparison mm. to show it's actually the exact opposite in most cases. Well, can I just say, Harry, that's that's wonderful information, but um, I don't think I want to get close enough to a snake to actually see if it's got round pupils or, or slit pupils. I think I would just say just respect it and let it go. It just doesn't matter. Just stay away from it. I, I actually think that... Um, uh, the biggest thing that you're it sounds to me like you're trying to teach is is just to have ha- have have respect for you know reptiles and 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 don't um don't make assumptions don't 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 treat them badly don't don't put them in the their their awful vicious things and you know and try to harm them just like you know just just respect them and don't manhandle them you know that sort of stuff and yeah, so we actually have recently started saying, um, well, I go to Gumbire a lot. There's tiger snakes there that I absolutely love. The male's beautiful. He's got really nice colours and patterns. Uh, and everyone, all the parents walk past and say, don't go near that. That's dangerous. That's scary. That will kill you. And a lot of the time I think that, like, might bite you, probably won't kill you because there's antivenom, but it's not like it's going to kill you. So... Mm-hmm. It's another big thing, but it's don't be careful, be aware. So you just want to know and things like that, as well as a lot of what you said on respect and things like that, because see people that go, oh, it's a dumb, stupid croc, and they tap it and they annoy it, and then it will try and bite them, and everyone goes, oh, it's vicious. And it's like, yeah, but they were like, obviously. Minding their own business. (laughs) Obviously they can't hear like when you're calling names, but they can pick up on, you know, they're being nasty, they're annoying me. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people uh, that I see that do videos uh, on reptiles, which is some of the, some people that, you know, as you said, uh, you don't like it when people don't know about the information before they purchase a reptile. Uh, I don't like it when you get those people that run shows, but before they do shows, they put it in the tub when they're taking it there and they tap it and they annoy it so that when they take it out, it's uh, super aggressive and all that kind of stuff so that it's a better show. But for me, the better show is going, hey, this snake is not aggressive. Like, obviously, don't go up to it in the wild, even if you own own your own snakes. You don't know what it's like. But the better show is telling people what it is because those people, you know, they might love reptiles, but I feel like if you do that, you're kind of going to other people, don't get reptiles, don't handle reptiles. Whereas if you're showing them, hey, this is nice, they're going, well, the venomous snake is nice, then a python is like almost sure to be friendly. So Mm -hmm. it's going to, if you love reptiles, you'll be trying to get other people to get reptiles and own them correctly and not tap them and all this other kind of stuff. So as well as I see people tapping the glass, and that really, really frustrates me because people say, oh, it'll get them to come over to you. The only reason they come over to you is because they're very frustrated or they're going, hey, what's that? And then typically they'll get angry or they'll just go, oh, never mind, and just, like, scoot away or run away. So they don't really – it doesn't do anything. So those that tap on the glass, it doesn't really – change anything you know they might look over to you for a second 
but then they're going to go away. And typically because mm. it's so annoying and it might frighten them, they're going to go in their hide. They're going to go behind a rock where you can't see them and they feel safe. So, yeah, that's typically what they'll do, especially in the wild when people get bitten, like bikes, for example, by death adders. The only reason people get bitten by them typically is either doing something silly with them or they step over a log when they're bushwalking and it freaks out because they're very, very fast. Um, it'll come out, even if it's not trying to bite them, even if it's just trying to come out, scare them, it might accidentally get them or it might deliberately get them, but it's generally they're not, they're never actually gunning for you. They're not going to mm. go, hey, I want to get that person. They're going to go, go away, go away. And then if you leave, they'll just go back underneath their log. If not, they will either bite you or run away. And the worst case is run away. And I say worst case because that means that the animal will no longer have a safe place and will most likely be either picked up by a predator or will just die because it doesn't know where it is. And a lot of reptiles are extremely predatorial. Mm. So if you come into their area, they will uh, fight you out of it. Yeah. Uh, cheaters. So it's not really great when that happens at all. Well, it comes down to respect again, and it also comes down to this, um, you know, human beings trying to dominate everything in the world. And if we would just be a little bit kinder and um, allow everything to coexist with us and and respect that we've all got a place in the world, um, we we wouldn't have half the problems that we have. So it's we're we're both we're both sharing the same messages, but in different ways. But it's still the same thing, you know. Don't harass others. Like don't think that you you know don't, don't demand things of others. Don't bloody anyway. All that stuff, Harry. Where can people find you when they to follow you on um, Insta and YouTube? I think you've got. Is it? Yeah, so recently you did also start a Facebook page, but it's just with Harry over Instagram, um, YouTube, and Facebook. Yep. So Um, I'm I'm there. I just spoke over you when you said it, so the next got cut out. So Harry just said it's next to nature with Harry. Um, on Insta, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, sorry, Harry, because when I talk, your voice cuts out, and I cut that first bit off. So next to nature with Harry. Um, so go and follow him because I think um, he's, he does some really, really great talks on there and shows you a lot of great reptiles and, and and talks a lot about it. So, Harry, thank you so much for joining me. I've absolutely loved this. You've you've um, made me think twice about picking up a frill like this <laughs> Because I didn't realize that clause, but no, you've you've given some. I was joking. You have given such um, amazing information in here and stuff that I think stuff that we wouldn't even even think about. Do you know? You know, whereas we've just got this sort of attitude towards reptiles. Not we, but you know, like a lot of people have just kind of got oh reptiles, but they do have a place on the planet. You know, we we do need them in the ecosystem, and we actually they're not there for our pleasure or for our destruction they're there as a to coexist with us you know and and i think that what you're doing is sending a really valuable message to people to take to to have more respect to be more aware you know to be more compassionate to other species and um i really i really love what you're doing so thank you so much yeah thank you it was awesome being here Beautiful. All right. Well, hopefully I'll meet you in person when you're doing a re- reptile show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Eve, Harry. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. Oh, guys, how was that? Harry, uh, he is, um, wow, amazing. Like to be 12 and to have such strong vision to, you know, have, have a reptile zoo and to have uh, just to advocate and to, you know, educate people about reptiles. I, I absolutely love it. So that was Harry Bishop. And if you want to follow him, I actually, don't if you want to, please go follow him because what he's doing is super fantastic. Um, Next to Nature with Harry, and that's his um, handle for uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So please go and do that. I, as I said on there, hundred um, percent. Don't 
go and own reptiles unless you know what you're doing, unless you, um, you know, speak to a handler or speak to a keeper and really understand it and have have respect, have respect for reptiles. If you see snakes in the wild, please leave them alone. Um, don't go picking up even lizards, just leave them alone. Like, unless you're super interested, unless you actually know what you're doing. So I love that, I love that Harry is uh trying to help people to um have an understanding and respect them. And and also when he was talking about being at Gumbai Park and you know, mothers say to their kids, don't touch a snake, it'll kill you. You know, one of Harry's big things is to change that language and to make sure that we're we're not just telling kids snakes will kill you. Yes, yes, explain to them, be aware, but let, let's let's sort of change the narrative about this fear whereby we want to kill snakes and stuff like that because that's not we need to coexist. And um, by the way, if you're in Australia, there's a pretty bloody big fine for killing a snake, so it probably would pay not to do that. Anyway, uh, go follow Harry, Next to Nature with Harry, and I hope you've enjoyed that episode and I hope you have a better respect for reptiles. So thanks for joining me again this week, as every week, and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.